Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If you look at more of the national environment, I mean, we got a taste of it in Ohio, but we saw some of it, too, in, in Washington, where they have a top-two primary system. There's very little you can look at the results last night and say Republicans had a very good night. They, they squeaked out a, a, something of a, of a victory in Ohio. You could call it a victory, but it's a very pure one. Yeah, and I think what Dak is doing is why I like Dak. I like him because he's smart and he's a leader. This is what leaders do. They don't let Twitter influence their opinion. Followers go on social media and join the avalanche. Leaders go on social media, have a conviction, and are not influenced by you not liking their opinion. Let the president know in no uncertain terms that we are alive, awake, and we are woke. We are not going away. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the program at Stacey on the Right on Twitter and Instagram, StaceyOnTheRight.com on the website. You can find a whole bunch of fantastic content there. You can read all my columns that have appeared all over the place under the column tab on the website. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, and it's still Truth for Youth Week. Call to the number at 800-733-4737, 800-733-4737, or visit truthforyouth.com. And uh, we're going to be unpacking a bunch of really good items right now. I love that news mashup from my producer uh, at the start of the show because I have a little bit more of that audio that you hear. Dak Prescott has really, really set the world on fire by being a black man who plays for the NFL and also refuses to kneel during the anthem. And others are saying he's a traitor. He hates himself and calling him all kinds of names. But the fact is the majority of the players who make the most money are not participating in these anthem protests. And so that's what they were discussing. you got Jason Whitlock and a couple of others, and they're having this conversation about who's doing the kneeling and why or why not. It's number six. Dak's not on Twitter all day. He's running a franchise. By the way, you'll notice about all the anthem stuff, the stars aren't talking about it. It is overwhelmingly marginal players who don't have as much to lose Bree, Dak's not talking about it. Breeze isn't talking about it. Matt Ryan's not talking about it. Luke Keekley's not talking about it. Most players aren't. So, you know, I mean, to me, this is why I like Dak. It's unpopular, but frankly, he's putting in 75 hours a week. I want him to worry about football during the season, and then if he's got an off day, worry about social causes. It, it, it's, it's really what my respect for Dak is growing just because I think this takes a tremendous amount of courage. Uh, mm -hmm. I think most people are silent on this issue because they just don't want the hassle, of the hassle of the social media backlash. But I think Dak Prescott speaks for 97% of the players. Uh, and, and I think there's a loud minority on social media and a handful of NFL players and DeMora Smith who are pushing this because it's good for their brand building, it's good chaos, keeps them in the news. But Dak Prescott has stepped out here on a limb and been a real leader. I hope other guys follow him behind him because he's just talking common sense. Wow. So it's, in other words, Jason Whitlock is saying, hey, how about everybody just express their opinions? How about everybody just say what they believe about the issue and move on from there? Instead of saying, well, you're black and you have to do this and you're white and you have to do that. How about just saying, OK, so 
um, on the anthem issue, where do you come down? Oh, so you don't feel like kneeling. Why? What, you know, why? In advancing the conversation and getting everyone to give their opinion if they want to, if they have time, because a lot of these players aren't talking about this issue because they're busy practicing and upping their game because they have games to win because they want to make it to, you know, the Super Bowl. I mean, they, they're beyond talking about issues that are in the news because they have work to do. I mean, just think about it. Have you ever, I'm sure this has happened to you, you're sitting at work and you've got it going on. It, everything's flowing. You're, you're, you're making your way through your list and you're, you, you just, you see an end to the day and it ends with you getting almost everything done. And then your phone starts ringing and the phone calls that you're getting are, maybe they're work related, maybe they're not, but they're time wasters and they've taken you out of that zone. These really high paid NFL players want to operate in that zone where they're conditioning, working their, their plays, memorizing their plays, working with their teammates. So it becomes second nature where they get out of thinking through the play and they're in habit mode where the pathways in their brain have been created and they are literally moving through without giving it a second thought. If someone calls a play, they don't have to think through that play. They just know how to execute it. Their bodies move and they are in sync with each other. And now they can get into that higher order thinking where they're anticipating the next move. They're putting other activities that the, the actions of other players on the opposing team, when they see those actions happening, they know, oh, my natural progression is this, but I see him moving. I can, I can work with that too. That's where NFL players go from being a good team to being a great team, a great team that can win the Super Bowl. That's where these higher paid players are. And so, you know, I guess in their minds, pardon them if they can't be bothered with this latest sideshow, which is people getting all upset because some people don't want to kneel. I mean, the NFL has already come out and said it's damaging the brand. It's decreasing attendance at the games. It's costing them their bottom line. How much longer are we going to watch NFL players continue to basically tear apart their own livelihood for the sake of a cause that isn't being impacted by them kneeling? If they were kneeling and something was actually happening, I could see them saying, well, you know, we're losing brand share, we're losing market share, but if we keep going, we're going to see our goal and then then we can work on, you know, rebuilding the image of the NFL. They're not even getting anywhere with this. Chicago's still having shootings and murders and everything you can think of homicides galore st louis same thing baltimore same thing everywhere you look it's the same situation so if nothing's happening why in the world would other players who are successful who actually really have good contracts and aren't like colin kaepernick just tossing themselves into free agency with a hope and a prayer why would they want that why would they want to join in on that i know i wouldn't so let's Let's delve into an NFL star since we're talking about the NFL. I thought this was such a fantastic bit of information and it's such an example. And that's not to say that I don't know about other NFL players who are doing great philanthropic works, but this strikes close to home for me because this is a man who has been marginalized on occasion for his views because he's very pro-life and his name is Ben Watson. You've heard of him before new Orleans tight end. And he's a true sports hero for using his position to push for righteous causes and to talk about things that intersect between sports and American life and 
our Christian walk, he uses his platform to connect those things together. And it's amazing to watch because he's gifted with it. It's clearly something he's been called to do. So he's been working on helping out pregnancy clinics to save babies. So Life News has this story up over there. It's former Baltimore Ravens player. He basically got an opportunity to give an ultrasound machine to Severna Park Pregnancy Clinic. That's the name of it. And their their machine wasn't working. And the ultrasound is how they show the women who come in and they're abortion-minded. They show them the ultrasound and show them, look, it's not a clump of cells. It's a little baby in there. And if you just give it a chance, that baby will be, you'll, you're, you're that baby's mom. So he gave them a state-of-the-art 3D slash 4D ultrasound machine to use to replace their old unit. And to celebrate the gift that he made, which he used the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission and focus on the family's option ultrasound program to kind of put the, put the actual donation together, the staff, board, and two client families granted him a tour of the pregnancy clinic, which serves primarily women at risk for abortion in the Baltimore area. Now, Pregnancy Clinic Ministry CEO Pamela Palumbo led the tour. She explained how her three clinics, including one in Bowie and another in Annapolis, defend life against Maryland's completely unrestricted abortion industry. Now, he actually, back in 2016, you might remember, Mr. Watson took Planned Parenthood to task for their mission to exterminate black people and said that abortion, in his mind, is the greatest driver of racial divide in the United States. Now, he also, after talking with the staff about fatherlessness and how to empower fathers who might accompany these young women to these, these um, clinic visits, that he also gave one of the 10-year-old boys who was there, he took time out with him and talked to him about what being a Christian man means and kind of you know did a quick mentor session with him. So I love that. It's good news. It's something nice for us to think through, especially since I'm about to bring you all the way down because... You probably thought crazy Uncle Joe was out of things for a bit. Well, you know, Joe Biden is still considering running for the presidency. I know it's shocking, but he is. And he has a foundation. And so what he did is he's actually sent out through his foundation a press release that is about his new initiative dubbed As You Are. It's a parental rejection uh, like basically it guilts parents into not talking to their kids about if a child says they're coming out as LGBTQ, X, Y, Z, E, T, C. He, the, his foundation says, don't do that. Don't reject these kids. He says family rejection can lead to heartbreaking outcomes for these youth. So we want to share your stories about the value of acceptance because you deserve to be safe and affirmed. He doesn't talk about how the spike in suicide for transgender kids comes transgender people in general comes after they've had the hormones and the surgery and they've completely obliterated their bodies. And then they realize they can't go back. And then in suicide increases by 45%. He doesn't talk about how many kids have been through counseling and been helped out of gender dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, and been able to assume and be in their, their correctly assigned body and recognizing that they are what God has made and living fruitful, healthy lives. No, no, Mr. Biden didn't have anything to do with that. He's just got to make sure that people who have children who are struggling with this, in addition to everything that they're going through, also have to struggle with being guilty because he is trying to guilt them into feeling bad about themselves. He says, 
Family rejection significantly contributes to negative outcomes. For LGBTQ young people, specifically severe depression and suicidal ideation, rejecting behavior is not limited to a parent disowning or kicking out their child. It can also include subjecting young people to conversion therapy, blocking their access to LGBTQ friends and networks, and keeping their identity a secret. Are you kidding me, Joe Biden? First of all, what does he know about it? Who made him an expert on this subject? And second of all, why should we listen to him and take advice from him on what to do with kids? Why? Because he was the vice president at one point? So what? So that's a political position. So I think, you know, when we look at Joe Biden, sometimes we tend to marginalize him by finding him funny because he's so wacky and you know his nickname in some circles is crazy uncle joe but this is a man who genuinely wants to be leftist enough to run for the presidency in 2020 he doesn't just want to be about kamala harris and cory booker and elizabeth warren he feels like his name should be in the mix and this campaign by the biden foundation this is a part of him staying in the mix and showing potential voters that he's woke. But our culture's obsession with glorifying transgenderism and normalizing the so-called LGBTQ thing is actually indicative of the sickness that's going on in our nation. That we spend time, waste so much time, devote so much time to that issue instead of protecting children from sexual trafficking, protecting kids in other countries from being sexually trafficked into our country. The fact that we, do you see that? Do you see the problem there? You got one that's a total, it's totally a non-issue. If nothing else, it's a non-issue because it affects such a tiny sliver of Americans. We're talking about less than 1% of all Americans who are genuinely body dysmorphic. Not people who are doing it because it's cool and it's the Vogue thing to do. People who genuinely have the disorder. Less than 1% of Americans. That's still a significant number of people, but not in comparison to the human trafficking and everything else that's going on. I just, I feel sad to see Joe Biden go down this road because I feel like he should know better. All right, when we get back, we are going to be talking about Rosie O'Donnell and the Trump rallies and how she thinks they're not real. Um, And that's crazy pants too. You know it. Stay there. Hi, I'm Kevin Sorbo. You may know me from my TV series Hercules or Andromeda or one of my hit films such as Let There Be Light, God's Not Dead, or What If. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. The ministry of Preborn saves babies' lives through ultrasound. By letting a mother hear her baby's heartbeat and see her baby in the womb, She'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes to saving babies. To donate, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Every baby deserves to be born. Up 
next, Carol Swain with two minutes to think about it. From poverty to professor, from GED to PhD, a bold Christian speaking truth to power. Here's Carol with today's two minutes. Hello, folks. Do you trust God to get you where you think you need to be in life? Or do you feel you have to make things happen for yourself? As a mover and shaker, I have spent a good portion of my years trying to get myself where I thought I needed to be. Along the way, I learned some truisms. The harder I strive towards a goal, the further it seems to slip away. When I relax and allow God to direct my path without any unnecessary interference from me, I see tremendous breakthroughs. God makes things happen that I could have never orchestrated. We know from Revelation 3, 7 through 8, that the doors he opens, no man can close, and the doors he closes, no man can open. I've learned to pray, prayerfully set my goals, and watch for what God is doing. The hardest thing I have to contend with is not trying to help him do what I think he ought to be doing in my life. Trust me, God doesn't need us out front navigating the ship. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He also tells us not to be wise in our own eyes. In other words, we're really not as clever as we think we are. We thrive and we grow when we have a healthy trust and a reverent fear of the Lord. To learn more about Carol and the Carol Swing Foundation, visit carolmswing.net. And make sure you follow her on Facebook at Professor Carol M. Swain and on Twitter at Carol M. Swain. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. He's bad because he doesn't know how to inspire people or evoke that emotion in them of what about his rallies? Knowing and. First of all, people are paid, Chris. You know that. People were paid since he went down on the escalator. He pays people to show up at those rallies. But I don't know that that's that's why he gets tens of thousands at the rallies. I think he captures a lot of emotion for people. He doesn't get tens of thousands. When did he get tens of thousands at the last rally? Tell me when. No, not at the the Tampa. I think they only had 9,000 seats and there were people outside. But, Rosie, I've seen them. He gets big groups of people who come out. He, re- he gives themes that resonate, whether they're positive paid, or not. Chris? That's up to other people to decide. Maybe but some Chris, are. I don't are know. I can't. Paid? I don't have the facts that his crowds are bought but you off. Can I look don't have on, that. You can look at, well, you can look at all the requests for extras to come and cheer and with signs for him. You can find those tangible pieces of evidence. He, those are not real rallies. <laughs> Aren't they? 20, 30,000 people packing out stadiums and stuff. Uh, the, it sounds kind of real to me. Welcome back to the show, Stacey Washington. Don't forget, it's Truth For Youth Week. We would love to have you have your copy, your free copy of this manga comic with the New Testament on the back. It's a fantastic book, you guys. Um, and we'd love for you to have your own copy for your teen that's free. But you can also get multiple copies for other teens in your life that you might have in mind when you hear that. The the teen that pops into mind, that's one that you should get a copy for too. And at $2, it's almost free. I mean, that's almost free. So we're talking about either going to truthforyouth.com or calling the number 800-733-4737, 800-733-4737. And we'd be so happy for you to participate with us and get this um, 
this these these Bibles into the hands of high school students, especially sharing them at high school, which this is this is school is starting like every day. School districts go back next week is going to be a big week for school districts in Missouri to go back and so on and so forth. So please, truthforyouth.com uh, to to. And if you're watching on the stream, all the information is right there for you. Um, so interesting that Rosie O'Donnell is so adamant about Trump rally goers being paid when we know there's no organization that does that on the right. We don't have any organizations that pay people to go to rallies on the right side of the political spectrum, but they do on the left. On the left side, they actually have, it's, it's pretty, it's fascinating. On the left, they have George Soros foundations. So any one of the Tides foundations and the little offshoots underneath the renamed and rebranded Acorn organization, the Occupy Wall Street parent organizations, they run ads in Craigslist. So Rosie O'Donnell's talking about, you haven't seen the ads? Yeah, those are ads for leftists to come out and do organizing. And they're paid by the hour, not for conservatives. Sorry, we just don't have anybody who pays people to do that. We have volunteers and we have people who are staffers, just like the Democrats have staffers. The Republican organizations have staffers as well. But the majority of the people you see out doing something when it's door knocking, those are all unpaid volunteers and the rally goers are just people who want to go hear some Trump. They like him. They respect his mojo. They want to listen to him. They want to see him in person. They want to be able to say, I went and I was in the room with Trump and I had on my Trump t-shirt. And I mean, come on now. Do you not have a Trump t-shirt if you're on the right? I know I have a super cool one. It looks like Harley Davidson. It looks like the Harley Davidson symbol, but in the middle it says Trump. (laughs) I wore that to a rally that I spoke at. It was an actual biker rally. And I was there and the biker rally was opened up with prayer. That's what I'm talking about. Don't, don't, don't stereotype. Of course, make your judgments. Of course, be wise, but don't stereotype. Those bikers were, had their heads bowed and we, and then we had a great rally and everybody had on, you know, their Trump t-shirts and stuff like that. I, th- I just think that's fun. And if you're on the other side and you're doing that and you're having fun, good for you too. So now I want to talk about this. Um, there's a, Red state Democrat who is siding with Donald Trump on funding the wall. Now, this is pretty interesting because um, most of the Democrats, no matter how their race is running, they're not willing to go to the wall. They're not willing to do because right now, remember how they said um, gay is the new black? I hated that slogan. Well, it's refugee and illegal immigrant. That's the new black. And by new black, that that refers to the fact that blacks used to be the core constituency and the people that all of the policies in the Democratic Party were aimed at helping black people, helping working class people, helping union people. And those were core constituencies. And now all of those groups have been swept aside and it's it's illegal aliens. So, you know who it is, it's Joe Donnelly. No shock there. Joe Donnelly is breaking from his Democrat overlords and wants President Trump to have the money to build his wall. So you got Senator Joe Donnelly, Democrat, Indiana. He's facing a new round of ads criticizing his position on immigration this week. And so now he's come out and said that Donald Trump should get much more than the $1.6 billion the Senate Appropriations Committee has been preparing to send him. Now, I can disagree with him on that. Donald Trump needs $25 million in appropriations today. 
not next week, but today, not next year, not some nebulous, let's give them 1.6 bill here and two bill there. No, $25 billion right now. Then he could have the Army of Cor- the Army Corps of Engineers mobilize a team of contractors from all over the country to get the sections of wall built, and it would be done before Christmas, if not before springtime. If you're not that serious about it, you're not paying attention to these news stories. So you've got Donnelly saying now he's willing to vote for the funding because he wants to keep his seat because that power is just too sweet. And you've got President Trump saying he's willing to shut the government down over it, which I, to me, I'm like, yes, shut it down. Everyone's going to get paid, first of all. How do I know that? Because the government was shut down when I was on active duty and our credit union funded us just like we were getting paid the regular way. Our direct deposits came right through. Little automatic payments to this and that went right out. It was business as usual. Anyone who's furloughed still gets paid. They may not get paid right then. If their bank doesn't front them the money, when the federal government puts the money back, they get the money. Plus, they get like some uh, it's, it's some other little additional benefit that they get for the people who are furloughed. In other words, a government shutdown isn't really a government shutdown, except for the purposes of Democrats demonizing Republicans because they can't stand the idea that somebody might not be going to work. But it's not that nobody's getting paid. Oh, please. He says... Joe Donnelly says he doesn't want under any circumstances for there to be a shutdown. He said Congress should absolutely provide the president with a larger amount of border wall funding this fall to avoid a shutdown. I'm fine with providing him some more. I actually voted for border wall funding three different times. He said during an interview, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with three billion, three point five, four or five billion right this fall. How about twenty five billion, Joe? How about you be fine with that? Donnelly supported Trump's immigration bill, which would cut legal immigration, provide $25 billion for the wall, provide a pathway to citizenship for 1.8 million young immigrants. No. How about no pathway to citizenship? Nobody gets any kind of green cards or anything if they've ever received even one sliver of benefits from the U.S. government or the taxpayers. If you've ever been to an emergency room, if you had your baby in an emergency room, that means you can't be a citizen. How about if you want to come into this country Under asylum rules, if you come over the border illegally, you're turned around immediately. How about we change that law? You can't just come here and yell asylum and then we take you to a different line. No, asylum applicants, the only ones who will have their claims considered, have to apply from outside the country at a U.S. consulate or embassy in their home country so they can provide documentation. Oh, if we were to crack down on this the same way we crack down on people jaywalking in big cities, the way we crack down on people parking on the wrong side of the street on trash day, the way we crack down on people who paint their garage the wrong color for their subdivision association, the way we crack down on people buying ginseng. Some couple in southern Missouri bought ginseng in Arkansas and brought it over the border from Arkansas into Missouri and kept it. And since they bought $100 worth, they've been prosecuted and convicted for illegally trafficking in ginseng. But we got people crossing the border, raping people, committing all kinds of crimes, and then they get to stay here. They get released into the country so they can do some more crime. So Donnelly may be soft on immigration from a Democrat's perspective, but it's a far cry from the Gang of Eight bill which gave the, the president pr- supposedly billions for the wall. Now, Donnelly is up against a Republican named Mike Braun, 
And Mike Braun doesn't buy it. Mike Braun is absolutely like, this, this ain't real. This, this is not who he really is. The quote from him is, my gut would tell me he wasn't saying that nine, 10 months ago. And he's probably even going to be cut some slack on the spy's base so he can stay alive and have a chance of be, you know, staying in contention for the election. So Braun, who is the Republican, Mike Braun, the polling shows him up by one. And so that is why Mike Donnelly is talking like this. If the polls had Mike Braun down by 10, Donnelly up by 10, or even up by five or six, Donnelly would not be talking about funding the wall. So he's an opportunist. And he's someone who's only concerned with maintaining his power. And that's the wrong kind of person that we want. We, we don't want that. Indiana voters, Hoosiers don't need that. They need someone who believes in protecting the rule of law, which it's a trickle down effect. And, and it's not lost on me that the kind of lawlessness that we see all over the country, that the same people who say they want to stop school shootings, they want to stop um, the shootings in Chicago and St. Louis, they want to lower the violence, they want to stop people from owning guns. They're the same ones that promote lawlessness on the southern border, which actually is a driver in all of the shootings that we see in inner cities across this country. Also, the same people who are declaring these inner city areas that are crime infested sanctuary cities, which increases the level of crime, are the same ones who are in control of those areas. It's like they're saying, look what we've done to this inner city area. We've totally destroyed it. We've trashed it. The schools are horrible. The cost of living is low, but so is the tax base. And there's tons of crime. Tons of people living in this area who don't have enough money to make ends meet and have to use some form of government assistance to help them. This is our area that we run. How, do you, how much do you love it? Now let's make all the rest of America just like this. I know you've escaped to the suburbs and you think you shouldn't be impacted by this, but we want to bring some illegal immigration to the suburbs as well. Why would we put up with that? Why are we as Americans allowing the same people who have destroyed our inner cities and ruined so many millions of lives in the process, why are we allowing them to be in control of the southern border? Why do we allow them to have any victories at all? One of the most depressing aspects of last night's primaries here in the state of Missouri was the fact that due to ballot language and the fact that we elected a governor who did not have the common sense not to have an affair during a political campaign, Governor Greitens, we actually had right to work on the ballot and the wording was that you had to vote yes. And Missouri voters in the show me state tend to vote no on any ballot issue that they haven't been sat down by somebody that they know and respect and told you got to vote yes on this. So George Soros and the unions poured in $25 million. We were out on the weekend getting a few last minute items for our daughter at a shopping complex on Manchester Road. And there were vote no signs on all of the stop signs in the parking lot. They had vote no signs on the medians, you know, the little grassy areas next to the sidewalk, next to the back of the shopping area that you drive around to get to the main drag. They had vote no signs there. I, I mean, it was such a saturation. I saw vote no signs everywhere I went for the past two weeks. They've been everywhere. So people don't have to really understand what they're looking at or what the issue is. They just think, wow, I have not seen one vote yes sign. It's, it's almost subliminal. 
you're voting no. So yes, the Democrats turned out to vote no on right to work, but they snookered a whole bunch of Republicans into voting no as well. And the language on the ballot, that was my favorite part. It was just not clear. So I knew what I was reading, but I said, I was like, I even told my husband, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to go out so well. And a couple of my friends who are kind of savvy and they get insider info, they're like, it's going down 60-40. It went down 69-30. Like, it was bad. It was really bad. And we're talking about giving people the right not to have money that they've earned working funnel directly to the Democrats. Now, I have to admit that it might not be as big of an issue because of the Janus decision from the Supreme Court that mandates that people opt in to a union instead of having to opt out. But the unions are already working on ways to subvert that ruling so that it gets mired down in court decisions and they can keep getting the money. But I, I just I was I was like super surprised that all that money poured in. And where were the Koch brothers talk all that trash? Where were they? On right to work. Where was Americans for Prosperity pouring money in and getting the signs out and activating the voters? Where were the ads? They just gave it away. And maybe they did it because maybe they gave it away because of the Janus decision. I don't know. I wanted to point out that um, Project 21, I'm co-chair of Project 21, one of three. There are three of us. Uh, National Advisory Council Project 21 for the National Center for Public Policy Research that we had issued a press release. I believe it was on Monday about this whole Sarah Zhang story, the New York Times editorial board member and senior technology writer who they discovered in her text messages or her tweets, I should say, her tweets, a lot of really incendiary language and racist language towards white people and, you know, you name it, uh, just, I mean, really crazy stuff. Well, she's of Korean extraction. She's a Korean American, obviously, American citizen. And our press release got picked up by Breitbart on Tuesday. And now someone just shared with me, it got picked up by the conservative tribune by um, Western journalism. So I will put this link in the live stream. If you want to read the story that they wrote about us um, commenting on this, uh, it'll be there for you. And I'll also put it on the Facebook page. So that's the music. That means we have one segment left. If you'd like, we can take some calls, but I definitely want to talk to you about Adam Schiff. And I want to give you the list of attendees at that Bedminster fundraiser that was had by the White House and President Trump. Not tonight's fundraiser, although I do have that list too. The one last night. Big, big, big event. Great people were there. All right, we'll be right back. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. There's a new slogan out, You Are Enough. It's the latest foray into convincing people that self-love is the pathway to freedom and success. This is just repackaged self-esteem nonsense of the same variety preached by secular thought leaders a few decades ago. Instead of going to church, we are encouraged to go to sporting events and huge stadiums on Sunday or stay home and read the newspaper. Instead of studying the word of God, we're told to meditate on ourselves while holding crystals and humming. How ridiculous. Joy comes from knowing who we are in Christ. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
So in essence, the opposite of everything we've heard. The meek will inherit the earth. Confidence comes from working hard and living a godly life. Instead of looking for self-esteem, look for God in his scriptures, in his creation, in serving people. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Today we celebrate the independence of this great nation. I often recall the preamble to the Declaration of Independence that in part reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We can't help but notice America's founders listed life as the first inalienable right or undeniable right endowed by God. Without life, we can't enjoy any other right. Our religious freedoms, right to vote, assemble and express ourselves are dependent upon our right to life. Abortion denies that basic right, so join me in working to end it. From all of us at Life Issues, happy 4th of July. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Securing America. President Trump has taken a hardline stance on illegal immigration, mostly focusing his efforts on reducing crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border. But up north, America's border with Canada, more than 3,000 miles from ocean to ocean, remains largely unmonitored. And some Border Patrol agents say the emphasis on the southern border has left them with a lack of resources, leading to a big uptick in illegal crossings from America's northern neighbor. And it goes both ways, with thousands of immigrants in the U.S. fleeing to Canada since 2016 to avoid deportation. The most glaring of those vulnerabilities, the ease of entering Canada where visas are no longer required for Mexican citizens. Much of the new activity is focused on a 30-mile segment of the Vermont-Quebec border. Folks there say they've noticed a spike in illegal crossings, adding to a growing sense of unease in an area not used to being in the political spotlight. I'm Kevin Cork. Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Congressman, before we go any farther, because I want to draw a distinction since we've been saying here that some of the facts can get muddled here in the president's language. I want to make sure we're being precise in our conversation. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Now, that's a, a different statement than saying that there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt of a criminal conspiracy. Bob Mueller will have to determine that. But of course, right. the entire so you're, you're, you Trump acknowledge Tower, that the FBI has not presented it thus far. I, I'm, I'm drawing this uh, distinction no, because what, this is what the White Margaret, House is arguing here, that the president is drawing a distinction, that he is saying when he says hoax and witch hunt, that he means one thing and that it's not uh, really trying to disassociate himself from what his national security team says. Well, first of all, we haven't seen what Bob Mueller uh, has produced in terms of the evidence yet. So in terms of FBI proof, they're not going to present proof to the Congress. We're doing our own investigation, and we've revealed evidence, I think, that certainly goes to the issue of conspiracy and collusion, a lot of which is now public. Yeah, that's what I just heard. <laughs> she asked him a really good question. 
It's CBS's Margaret Brennan. She's got Adam Schiff there, you know. She's asking him, listen, do you, do you at least understand where the president's coming from? He's saying they haven't presented any evidence that he's guilty. Can you at least agree with that? He's like, well, nope, 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 nope no. <laughs> really, dude? <laughs> so let's move on. Hmm. Okay, so for tomorrow, I'm going to preview this for you. Lord willing, we, we will be live with you tomorrow and doing fantastic. And we'll be talking about, this is a story that should be all over the news, especially the cable news outlets, because this is right up their alley. It's international news. It's Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which I've been to, by the way. It's a gorgeous country. It's, you know, Sharia infested, but it's fantastically beautiful there. And the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is actually really, really ticked off with Canada. They've broken off diplomatic and trade relations. They've recalled their ambassador. They booted the ambassador from Canada to KSA out of the country. They said, you got 24 hours to get out of here. You are no longer recognized. They tweeted that out after sending him a cable. Now, Saudi Arabia's main state wheat buying agency has told grain exporters they will no longer buy Canadian wheat and barley in their international tenders. I will tell you tomorrow why. And you, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I could barely believe it when I was reading it myself. I'm like, what, what? So just file that in your back pocket and know that it's not only Donald Trump who plays rough when it comes to trade. Other countries can get their dander up and play really rough when it comes to unfair trade dealings. The only time people scream about it is when it's America. You see, a, you see a, any correlation there? When conservatives get on Twitter and say something, it's a capital case. Liberals can tweet stuff out and it stays up for years. And because and this is what I honestly think about that, just as an aside before I get to this list. I believe the reason why the liberals tweets that are so horrible stay up for so long and they're never noted is because they don't have anyone monitoring the liberals tweets. They only monitor the tweets of conservatives. And then if they see anything even slightly wrong, automatic suspension, yada, yada, yada. That is the reason why there isn't anything going on 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 the liberal side. That's why you can go back and comb through the tweets and see all these old tweets. You're like, man, how did this survive? Nobody's looking. All right. So what was I talking about with this list? Well, I'm on the White House press list. So the pool reported that there were some attendees at the Bedminster estate of President Trump. So Melania is there and she's entertaining and, and, you know, laying out the best spread for these people. And they had this dinner with business leaders at the Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, you know, I guess you call it White House North. I don't know what nickname we're going to give it, but um, here were the people who were there. So the company Fiat Chrysler, I'll list the com- some of the companies, Fiat Chrysler, Continental Resources, Johnson & Johnson, PepsiCo, Red Apple Group. And the, the people, I, I don't need to list their names. We're talking about the CEOs and, and head honchos from these companies. Red Apple Group, FedEx, International Paper, MasterCard, Boeing, Ernst & Young, Honeywell, Boston Beer, Lefrac, Newsmax Media, which of course is Mr. Christopher Ruddy, DocuSign, and then of course there were White House staffers who were there, cabinet members, etc., Uh, who were also there attending the event and 
um, mixing in with these people. And a lot of the people who attended were the spouses of the individuals who head up these companies. So it was quite, it, it was a dinner and it was about, obviously it was a fundraiser, but it was also, uh, a, you know, a social event um, where they were just enjoying themselves. So that was last night. They're having another fundraising dinner tonight. Um, so I will review that list and, and possibly share that tomorrow. And also if you're on the newsletter list for Stacy on the right, you get the weekly White House photos on that list. So the photos from the week are the photos that the White House photographer, the press corps official photographer, and there are more than one, they take pictures of Donald Trump when he's in the White House, and some of them are out when he's out doing things. And so I include the best ones of those in the newsletter that you get on a weekly basis from StacyOnTheRight.com. So um, we're planning some fun things over there at StacyOnTheRight.com, and I'm hoping to see them through and be able to roll those out hopefully in another month or so. But right now, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that you can get that. So we talked a little bit about in the first segment, I believe it was, um, I was talking about the Democrat socialist agenda and how Vox, which is hardly a conservative organization, was outlining how this would cost $42.5 trillion over the next decade. Vox, again, Vox, hardcore leftist publication, says that democratic socialism is having a moment. Senator Bernie Sanders mobilized millions of voters during the 2016 campaign, nominally as a Democrat, but with many self-professed socialists in his bandwagon. And also they covered Ocasio-Cortez unseating, you know, Joseph Crowley. But they talk about the agenda facing this resistance from regular voters and regular people, not because like Stephanie Rule said, they're worried about losing their money. No, we ain't worried about losing our money. We're worried about losing our liberty and our lives. The money is just a negative sideshow, but it's, it's actually being alive that most of us are really obsessed with. The promises of Democratic socialists include free college, single-payer health care, guaranteed jobs. But these things would require an astonishingly, astonishingly high expenditures that would cause the federal deficit to skyrocket. Once the costs become clear, most mainstream politicians and voters would surely balk. But making big promises is one thing. Paying for them is another. And it's part of the thing that Bernie Sanders did so well. I remember when uh, it was a 2016 campaign and I would go to, you know how you, you go to certain parts of the city and they're very, very liberal. And we have an area like that in St. Louis that is extremely liberal, but they also have some of the best antique shops in the entire metro area. And we were down there. Um, we'd actually gone down for one of the garden tours and we were doing a garden tour in the city and we ended up down near this antique district. And so we I told my husband, I was like, we're so close. Would you mind? We'll get some ice cream and we'll just walk up and down the street and maybe I'll pop into just one store. And so he's like, sure. And the kids are like, ice cream? Yeah, because even teenagers are down with ice cream. So we got some ice cream. We were walking and looking. And I noticed that Bernie Sanders had a storefront down there. And in the window, it was one of those storefronts where the whole storefront is windows, the tall windows and then the short window on top. And he had a poster. It had to have been six or seven feet tall, six or seven feet wide. And it was a painting of him, but and obviously a print of a painting of him. But instead of the painting being in the traditional colors, it was all rainbow colors and it was kind of splattered a little bit. And it's, it's clearly, obviously Bernie Sanders. But it's done in such a way to just, it was just so festive. It was, it was like, 
How could you not like this? How could you not buy into this? And his promises, they can never materialize here in America under our current system. It has to be a radical change of, in what Americans are willing to pay in taxes, almost everything you make, and the control you want to allow the government to have over your everyday life, almost everything you do. Because the government has to be in control and have all of the money in order to implement socialism. And even then, it only works for a little while, and then it starts going downhill. And the reason it can never work for us is because we fund our own defense. Until we find some sugar daddy country that wants to fund our $780 billion in defense that we spend every year, we can't have socialism. So any liberal you talk to who's hardcore into this stuff would say to you, well, there's your answer. Just eliminate the national defense. Just take that right out of the budget and devote it to health care for all, universal basic income, guaranteed jobs, guaranteed housing, etc. What happens if we stop spending $780 billion a year on, um, on military? I mean, surely we could, we could reduce it, we could increase it, but what, what happens the minute we delete that line item from our budget? Well... Some country would be like, I'm going in. Now, some Middle Eastern countries would just be satisfied to detonate a nuclear weapon, you know, somewhere in the sky over America and kill 75 to 90 percent of our population by attrition because we wouldn't have electricity and we wouldn't have heating and cooling. And, you know, we have, what, a third to 40 percent of our population who are on psychotropic drugs 24-7 year round. That's That's how they live. I mean, we have... Any number of Americans, 75% is the estimate, who would be dead within six months in in the case of something like that, without our grid. For other nations who don't want to see 90% of us, you know, killed off, they just want to take America over and own it. How long do you think it would take for them to come over? A gun behind every blade of grass or not, we're talking about a seriously... Horrible idea, getting rid of our defense. But this is the kind of stuff that we end up, you know, when you talk to people, the younger ones especially, this is the kind of conversations you get into. And, and I'm not saying this anecdotally like I heard someone else say that people, no, I'm talking about when I talk to millennials and younger people who believe in this democratic socialism and they immediately start talking about eliminating our defense budget. They talk about spending all of our money on health care. They, they just... They really think that could work. And that is why we as Christians have to be single-minded in our dedication to, you know, because when you don't lead, you know what they say about you don't lead, then you'll be led by some other person who probably isn't as good at it as you are. Sometimes you'll be led by someone who's totally much more fantastic than you, but odds are this is what happens when we pull back and take ourselves out of the culture. We take ourselves out of politics because our influence is needed as Christians. We are needed. So we have to be willing to participate. So yeah, Vox is writing about this. He says the numbers are not partisan. He says, what would be the effects of such an unprecedented spending binge? Federal spending, which typically ranges between 18 and 22% of GDP, would immediately soar past 40% of GDP on its way to nearly 50% within three decades, including state and local government spending that would push the total cost of government to 60% of GDP by that point, exceeding the current spending of every country in Europe. This writer at Vox says these numbers are not partisan. They come from the Congressional Budget Office, top liberal think tanks, and the lawmakers themselves. 
These are their own figures. In order to make this socialist utopia happen, the U.S. would have to seize almost all corporate and personal profits above 90000 a year. They would have to add, the United States would add an 87% value-added tax. On top of that, those are static analysis figures, which assumes no one's behavior will change as a result of the dramatic changes in economic incentives. Like people like um, Jeff Bezos wouldn't immediately move all of their assets that they could get their hands on and what they could get their electronics on move those assets out of the United States before that law took effect. Unless the democratic socialists are planning on executing a coup in which one day we're free and everything's going great. And the next morning we wake up and everything's socialist and we have an 87% VAT tax and we only get to keep 90,000 and everything else we own. It belongs to the government. Come on. You know what you, you know, that's not going to happen because the rich people are always the first ones to get their $1,600 a lawyer, uh, an hour lawyers and CPAs to protect their assets. That's why they're rich. So I want to close out the show today on the confession prayers that we have. And we got these, these are not actually confession prayers. They're Bible verses, but our pastor told us, confess the truth of who you are before God. And if you're struggling with, you know, you've got something going on or you don't know who you are in Christ or you're feeling a lot of doubt and anxiety, confessing these scriptures can go a long way in fixing that. So I'm going to give you just a couple because the music's playing, guys. The show's over. I have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, and I reign in life through Jesus Christ, Romans 5:17. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away, and everything about me is new, 2 Corinthians 5:17. And finally, without me, you can do nothing, which you, when you say that to God, you say, without you, I can do nothing. John 15, five, God bless you. Keep you this evening. Have a great night. Back with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.